Lord, please use your word to help us be more and more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Just wanted to let you know that uh, 956 of you have signed up for the work day on August 19th at the various schools, and that is more than last year. And I just want to say, way to go, church. You guys are awesome, and we're making a big difference in the city of Bellevue. That's a big statement to the city that almost a thousand of you would, would be willing to do that. And uh, I see a sea of bulletins going like this. You just keep it up. When I was writing my dissertation in graduate school, I I went through a phase where I was really productive. I got a whole chapter written and two others revised, all in the space of about two weeks. But I didn't print out any copies or make any backup copies. So you know where this is going to go. One night, the whole computer crashed, wiping out about a 100 hours of work. And I tried to fix it, but I couldn't. It was just gone forever. So I did what any man would do in that situation. I blamed my wife. I said, you wanted to buy this stupid, cheap computer, and now my career is ruined, so when I'm unemployed and we're destitute, just remember this was the computer you wanted. And all of that led to a really interesting discussion about work ethics, paying attention to detail, and how I was raised. Now, mind you, I knew I should have saved backup copies. My advisor told me horror stories of students who didn't. The computer manual said to save backup copies. At least I'm sure it would have had I read it. I had all the knowledge I needed about backup copies. I just lacked one thing. I didn't do it. We spent the last five weeks looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of that sermon, Jesus says that if we hear what he says but don't do it, Jesus says that's like building a house on sand. The winds and the rain are going to knock it down. And it's the same in our lives. If we don't put Jesus' words into practice, our lives just come crashing down around us, just like my computer. We end up with stress and worry, driven crazy with lust, plagued with uh, anger, broken relationships, a sense that life isn't about anything other than getting up and going to work and going to bed and doing it all over and over again. But Jesus says there's a way out of that trap. And it's simple, so simple, Nike even uses it as their slogan. Just do it. That's how Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount. You've heard me, now go do it. And if we do, Jesus says that we'll be like a house that's built on a rock, not like the one on sand. If we do what Jesus says, he says you'll be able to withstand anything that life throws at you. If we just do what he says. But that, of course, would be the issue, wouldn't it? Because as American Christians, we often know a lot about Jesus, but we don't do what we know. We have a lot of unapplied knowledge. We've heard a lot of sermons, maybe even heard the preacher talk about the Greek meaning of words. Maybe we even took some notes and put them away somewhere on a bookshelf in case we needed them. Not sure where they are, but they're there somewhere. But if we don't apply all that knowledge... What good is it? It's like the old story of a preacher who every Sunday preached the exact same sermon over and over and over again. And finally, one of his parishioners asked, when are you going to preach a different sermon? And the preacher said, well, when you do everything in this sermon, then I'll preach another one. In Jesus' day, the point of a sermon wasn't head knowledge. It was to change how people lived. 
And if we do what he says, he promises that we can have the abundant, eternal kind of life right here, right now. A life filled with joy, with peace, with adventure. And if you've ever known anyone who's lived that kind of life, it is a very attractive kind of life. One of the people in this church who lived that kind of eternal life was a man I only got to meet once before he died, named Harold Freed. Some of you know him. He and his wife, Tina, have done a ton of missions work. I had all kinds of adventures because of that. They had great relationship with Jesus, great friendships with other people. Well, Harold ended up being paralyzed the last four years of his life. But even then, he still had joy. I mean, the time I met him, he was cracking jokes and teasing his wife. I mean, he's like a stand-up comic. He was hilarious. He had joy even in the middle of that. And then when he died at his memorial service, one person after the other stood up and told these amazing stories about the ways that Harold and Tina had blessed their lives. And at the end, a trumpet player played a very upbeat, joy-filled version of when the saints go marching in because that was just kind of who Harold was. Later on, his wife told me that some of the best times in their marriage were the last four years when Harold was paralyzed, when all they could do was talk and pray together and get to know each other in a whole new way. She said, we learn to appreciate the sanctity of the ordinary. That's a life well led. That is an abundant life. Not that everything was great. It wasn't. There was hard stuff. But that no matter what happens, we can still find joy, have a close relationship with God and other people, have adventure in life, have a full life no matter what we face. That's what Jesus promises. And unfortunately, a lot of us preachers have made it sound like the only thing Jesus gives us is a bunch of rules to do sin management with. And then for this wonderful experience, there's a fee, 10% of your income, And you can't go to brunch on Sunday morning, right? No wonder nobody wants to be a Christian. But Jesus offers way more than that. If we put his teachings into practice, we will be transformed and be like him in our hearts and live the eternal kind of life now. And there are three things that help us do that. Three things that help us put Jesus' teachings into practice so that we can have that abundant life. The Holy Spirit, ordinary daily events of life, And purposeful disciplines that train a new heart. And you need all three, just like a triangle. They work together. The first is the Holy Spirit. We cannot be like Jesus on our own. We need his spirit to help us do that. And the Greek word that Jesus uses to describe Holy Spirit is paraclete. And a paraclete paraclete means to come alongside of someone. A paraclete was someone who was called into court to help the accused. Or someone called into the army to give the troops courage. Or are called in to give advice in a difficult situation. It means consultant, comforter, strengthener, trail guide. The Holy Spirit does all of those things. That means that when I'm tempted to do something I know isn't right, there's a voice that goes off in my head and it's the Spirit. And it says, Scott, I know you think you want this thing, but deep, deep down, I know you want more. I know you want an abundant life. I know you want eternal life. I know you don't want this. Deep down. Notice what the Holy Spirit does not say to me. The Holy Spirit does not say, you rotten little creep, you should feel ashamed being tempted like that. That's red legs talking. The Spirit says, Scott, deep down, I know you want more than this, so don't settle for this temptation. That's the Holy Spirit helping me to live the abundant life. Now, as I've said before, the Holy Spirit doesn't overpower us to force us to follow Jesus' teachings. He just nudges us. And our job is to cooperate with those nudges. We recently taught our kids to ride a bike, and and you guys know the drill, right? You grab onto the bike and run alongside of it and kind of steer it and 
hold it steady until they can do it on their own. Right? Now, we helped, but my kids had to cooperate in that process, which was sometimes problematic. But that's a different sermon illustration. You know, they had to get on the bike. They had to pedal. And then between our guidance and their cooperation, they learned to ride a bike. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to come alongside of us, gently steer us, until we're able to live and do what Christ taught and have abundant life. We need the Holy Spirit. The second thing we need to follow Jesus' teaching are ordinary daily experiences in life. Because the way the Holy Spirit transforms us is not through some dramatic event like a lightning bolt. You know, boom, you're transformed. The Holy Spirit uses the ordinary events of life to change us. Every day in our offices, our homes, our neighborhoods, we're presented with hundreds of opportunities to put Jesus' teachings into practice and live the eternal kind of life. And it's as the Holy Spirit nudges us in terms of how to handle those ordinary events that we become changed people. I have a friend who kept getting these nudges from the Holy Spirit to, to show Jesus more in her ordinary walkabout life. So she decided that she would go to the grocery store at the same time when it wasn't crowded, pick the same clerk every time, and just kind of strike up a conversation with this clerk. Get to know her a little bit. So she did that and, you know, just would say things like, how you doing, what's going on, every time she went to the grocery store. Can I pray for you? Stuff like that. They ended up becoming great friends out of this. Now, that's how Jesus would go to QFC, right, looking for how he could engage people. My friend let the Holy Spirit nudge her in just an ordinary event in life, and she changed, and suddenly this chore became a lot of fun. Another woman in our church was slandered by a coworker, But rather than getting all bitter over it, she got a nudge from the Holy Spirit to pray for the woman who slandered her, as Jesus says to do, right? Pray for your enemies. And as she did this, her anger, which was understandable, began to just melt away. And then, over the course of the next year, she kept running into this woman that slandered her at social events. Every time she'd go to a party, there was this woman, right? And they ended up becoming great friends, because God has a sense of humor. She let the Holy Spirit nudge her in how to handle this kind of thing that happened in life, and she was changed, and this thing that could have consumed her in anger turned into a blessing. You see, the Holy Spirit works with us in our ordinary life to help us become more like Jesus, and then our lives become richer. We need the Holy Spirit, ordinary events of life, and then the third thing that helps us put Jesus' teachings into practice so that we can live abundant life is planned disciplines to train a new heart. Just like an athlete needs disciplines to train their body, we need disciplines to train our spirits. Some of you remember a while back that I took some golf lessons so that I could learn how to golf and be a real senior pastor. Well, one of the problems that I had was that I'd golfed a couple of times before and I basically sort of taught myself. So I was holding the club in the way that just felt natural to me, which I discovered was completely wrong, right? Because apparently in order to golf correctly, you have to hold the club in the most unnatural position possible because golf is no fun unless it's hell, right? So... So part of what I have to do if I want to golf is I've got to unlearn the bad habits and relearn good habits. And it's the same in our spiritual lives. Through our families, our culture, through giving in to temptations, we've learned bad habits. And in order to retrain our hearts, we need some disciplines that we do not out of guilt, not out of duty, not out of obligation, 
but so that we can become like Jesus and live the life he came to give us. We need times of solitude and silence to clear our minds from the messages we receive from our culture or our peers so that we can hear what we really think and what, more importantly, what God really thinks. We need to study scripture so we can fill our minds with God's thoughts, which will help us think like him and then act like him. If you have trouble reading the Bible, get an easy translation like the NIV. Get a Bible with notes to help you understand it more. I recommend the student Bible with notes by Philip Yancey and Tim Stafford. Prayer is another discipline that retrains our heart. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. Worship helps us focus on God. And finally, we need time. This doesn't happen in a day. It takes years. But over the course of time, we will become more joy-filled, more loving, more like Jesus. And I'm not talking about faking it. See, I'm good. I'm not talking about just trying harder. I'm talking about becoming people who just naturally do what Jesus taught. Just like an apple tree naturally produces apples, you don't have to tell it to. It just does it because it's got apple-making stuff inside. As the Holy Spirit works with us in the daily events of life and retrains our heart through purposeful disciplines, we will become new people who live a more abundant life. I was talking with a man a few months ago who'd gone through a time in his marriage where he and his wife were just fighting constantly. There was this constant tension in the home. They were just miserable. Well, he began to get these nudges from the Holy Spirit to read his Bible a little bit more, so he started to do that. He also started to pray some more. And all of that began to put new thoughts in his head as to how he should treat his wife. For instance, the Bible says that husbands should love their wives the way that Christ loves the church. A passage my wife frequently quotes to me. Scott, would Jesus do this to the church? Love that passage. Great passage. So this man started to to do what Jesus would do. Started to compliment his wife more. Started to pay more attention to her. You know, didn't do the typical guy thing of coming home and clicking on the TV. And then, you know, if your wife is talking to you, you just keep watching. And if she says, are you listening to me? Right? You just go, yeah, I am, honey. I am multitasking, right? Not that I know that from personal experience. But other women have told me that you all do that. So, well, he stopped doing that. Started to support his wife. Began to see his role in her life is to help her become everything that God intended her to be. And what do you know? Then she started to change too. Started to treat him with more love and more respect. Listen to him more carefully. And their fighting almost completely disappeared. And that was a couple years ago. And now they're like newlyweds again. This man responded to the Holy Spirit's nudgings and the ordinary stuff of life. Put on a few disciplines to retrain his heart. Did what Jesus said to do. And now instead of coming home to fighting and anger, he comes home to a wife who loves and respects him and a marriage that is fun, healthy, and whole. He put Jesus' words into action. He just did it. And now his life is built on solid ground. It's more abundant. And that's what Jesus is saying at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, guys, trust me on this. This stuff really works. Just do it. Try it. You'll see. It works. You'll be happy. You'll like it. There's an old Jewish parable about a soap maker and a rabbi, and they're out on a walk. And the soap maker says to the rabbi, Rabbi, what good is religion? What good is God? Look at all the misery in the world. What good does God do? The rabbi said, that is a great question. But then he didn't answer it. And they just kept walking along. And then they came across some kids who were playing in the dirt. And the rabbi said, look at those kids. 
You're a soap maker and you say that soap makes people clean, but look how dirty those kids are. What good does soap do? And the soap maker said, well, the rabbi, soap doesn't do any good unless you use it. Right. That is exactly the point Jesus is making. We can know all about him. We can have deep, sophisticated theology, be able to parse Greek words in the New Testament. But if we don't do what we know, well, what good is it? Jesus says, if you want to be filled with joy, peace, and love, if you want adventure in life, if you want to live the eternal kind of life right here, right now, you can. Here's how. Listen to what Jesus says, and then just do it. Lord, help us to do just that. Help us to follow you and put your words into practice, and we'll give you the glory. We pray this in your name. Amen.